0: All right. Hope everybody's doing good. We are sitting here today with a drummer and musician here in Kansas City and teacher, uh, Jan Faircroft. How you doing?
1: Good, Rob. How are you doing?
0: Good, man. Thanks for coming. <clears throat> yeah, thanks for having me. You're, you're welcome. So I, I'm sure that I uh, met you at Levy Town Jam on Sundays, you know, and I've and sure. seen you around, you know, at many jams and, and playing in town right. and... Um, but uh, you and I don't know each other super well, and I'm not really I, I have absolutely no idea about like your history of playing music So you could you you know explain a little bit about like how you
1: got started playing and all that. Sure. Um, well, I started playing um, when I was, uh, let me see, I was 13 years old and my dad bought a drum set and uh, I had played guitar sort of for a couple of months, and then my dad went and um, and bought a, uh, a drum set, which really pissed my mom off in a real severe sort of way. I always tell everybody that that was probably the beginning of the end of their marriage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but he bought a drum set, and man, I just took to it, and it was just something just happened to me. I mean, and it was just from then on, it was everything it was drumming to the exclusion of everything else I quit mm-hmm. doing um, I quit doing any sports that I was into you know and I wasn't mm-hmm. that into sports anyway as you can tell um, but I I quit doing any sports and all I really wanted to do was just play music and I played and I um, and within a month I I, I I was in a band I mean literally within a month of having mm-hmm. a drum set I got I started playing drums in like April or May of 1990 and uh, by the beginning of that summer if not by the end of this, that school year I was playing with this buddy of mine, Wes Wagner who's an incredibly accomplished guitar player at this point point. Um, and he was great then too, and I lived in Garden City, Kansas so there mm-hmm. weren't a whole bunch of musicians right. to choose from, but he was the only guy and I was very fortunate that he was my age and that he wanted to play with me because he was extremely talented and I really look at that starting to play with him even though we were both eighth or ninth graders that he was that talented at that point that he was the only peer that I had really that I played with and it was and I got a really valuable uh education and kind of sense of work ethic from that guy even at that young age and so uh, I started playing um in a band just right off that's all I wanted to do I didn't I didn't I didn't have any any aspirations of 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 getting Good on the drums, or being a good musician, or anything else. I just wanted to play. I just wanted to play to appetite, of, to appetite for destruction, mm-hmm. and Master of Puppets. Those were mm-hmm. my records, and I, I loved just playing the drums. And so it was. Mars fan, then, huh? Was, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Lit. And people give that guy a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of grief, but you know, I mean, he was, and he still is a, a a great drummer. He's the he's a good drummer for that band. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, I haven't. You know, I haven't really followed a lot of Metallica since 1992 or anything, mm-hmm. but before that, those records, those yeah, first five sure. or six records, were incredibly important to me, at least. Um, but anyway, so I started playing then, and then the whole grunge thing happened, and that was incredibly important to just my life in general. And it was just, it was just one thing after another. I was just playing in bands, and I went through high school, and, and in high school, I. I started playing in the in jazz band and um, and I was by no means a jazz drummer I'm still not really but um, but I can sort of fake my way through it better now than I could then and and um, and so I started playing um, started, started playing you know in jazz band and then marching band and concert band and just just everything else then eventually I became a um, and played in all kinds of bands in high school and then I, I went to college and, and actually, I uh, went to college for music. Um, I, I, I never got my degree, mainly because um, a couple of reasons. First of all, I was really immature and just kind of lazy at that point in time. And also, I was uh, I was playing gigs. I was playing gigs for, with country bands around southwest Kansas on the weekends. And I was kind of doing what I wanted to do anyway. And um, and uh, so, you know, I went to the University of North Texas for a minute and um, University of North Texas I, I really was not a, a huge fan of they you know their their idea of <clears throat> of instruction at least in my eyes at that point in time and I know it's a very it's a really um, well-regarded school for good reason mm-hmm. but really what they wanted to do for me at least was just really tear me down and then build me back up which works obviously for a lot of people it, it did not work for me yeah I just I'm not that guy if you tell me I suck that's not going to make me work harder it's mm. going to piss me off and yeah. then it's like and then I'm not gonna hear anything else you say and then it's just is going to it's gonna have a very negative effect on me personally but it works for a lot of people obviously because that's a great school but um, but then um, and I'm really glazing over everything here but then um, after going to North Texas for a little bit I I uh, I moved to Kansas City and I moved to Kansas City in um, uh, 1999, the very beginning of 1999. And I moved up here, um, worked at a bank, worked at UMB for like a year and a half. Um, I played just a few little gigs around town. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't then and I'm still not now like the greatest networker in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I think that I think that a lot of people, you know, you, you a lot of people, a lot of musicians, older musicians, they, they put so much importance on the on networking and the hang and and schmoozing and and all this and and it really just, uh, I, I'm just not that guy. If I don't know you, I'm not going to pretend like I've known you for yeah, yeah. 20 years and that we grew up and that we were neighbors and you know I mean it just it's I really I have to get to know somebody really well before I can really. Uh, be out you know just be outgoing with them and so because of that it was kind of a handicap I mean I wish I would have been better at that mm, but
0: that's interesting yeah Yeah,
1: but I, I wasn't and so it took me a while to sort of get my bearings and you know and and um, I'm also not the kind of guy that's going to I mean I, I think that you know music in, in a perfect world you know musicians get to a certain status because they're good
0: mm-hmm
1: and sometimes that's not not because
0: of who they know exactly not Mm -hmm.
1: because of who they know or how well they can talk to people or network um i I think it's much more important and it it, it creates a foundation for more long-term success if you are actually good at your instrument Mm -hmm. and if you are actually good at playing music i think that's a a much more important thing than being able to schmooze so i just was not the the best network in the world took me a little while to kind of get to the point in kansas city where i was uh, to where I started to know some people. And then finally, in uh, like November of 2000, I started playing with the Cobalt Project, which was um, Brandon Hudspeth on guitar, um, uh, Sue Stubbs on, on vocals. We sort of had a couple of different bass players. We had Jim Raynan on bass, and then we had Alan McGinty on bass, and Wayne Smith on bass. Uh, and then we had... Uh, the late, great, infamous uh, Howard Collings on key- keyboards uh-huh. who if nobody, some some older school people around here might know who he was, but he was uh, one of the biggest characters I've ever met in my uh-huh. entire life. I could talk for hours about all the crazy things that uh-huh. Howard Collings did, uh-huh. but <clears throat> um, a great guy and that was a really great band and um, it was really a lot of fun. And, um, and then I uh, was, I got a road gig. And that was in two thousand uh, when I joined the Cobalt Project. Well, in the summer of two thousand two, I got a road gig with this guy named Scott Ellison from Tulsa. So I quit playing with uh, quit playing with Cobalt Project, and went on the road with Scott for a summer. Um, I got done with that, and then Brandon and I, who we were we were roommates at the time, um, Brandon and I started. Um, uh, Levytown. We got this idea for this for this blues band that we were going to start and we, you know, um, and uh, and it was, at the time it was kind of modeled after like, like almost like a North Mississippi All-Stars thing because if you ever listen to that first North Mississippi All-Stars record it was really, it was great they took a lot of very traditional bluesy kind of stuff and uh, kind of things and then just kind of really made it their own and, and we were really intrigued by that and like um from the cradle that Robert that uh, not Robert John, that Eric Clapton record, mm-hmm. I thought those records were so brilliant because they were like really I mean they took they took very traditional blues stuff but then they really uh, kind of made it their own mm-hmm. and it wasn't like taking blues and just kind of mixing it with rock and just calling it blues rock it was actually mm-hmm. it was deeper than that and mm-hmm. it was it was really cool and so that's what Brandon and I wanted to do and um and and Jimmy Mead. Uh, was, um, was, you know, you've seen in, you've seen, uh, the movie Half Baked where the guy, where they have the guy sleeping on the couch. Well, that was kind of like Jimmy. Yeah, it's funny. Jimmy <laughs> Jimmy was the guy that was kind of slept on the couch. And, uh, and finally he was, he just kind of lived there and we were like, and so we, or he was living with us and, and Jack Garut had just moved to town with his uh, wife. And, um, and uh, so we we hooked up with, with Jack, and initially it was going to be Jack and Brandon and I were going to do a three-piece, um, but I'll never forget the first day we were going to do a rehearsal. It was one afternoon, and Jack came over to the house, and it was me, Brandon, and Jack, and, and then Jimmy just kind of brought his amp and stuff down and started playing with us, and we were just... And from the second that Jimmy started playing with us, it was just, it was great. I mean, all, and the four of us were just, you know, it was really cool. But initially we had only planned on being a three-piece and then Jimmy just kind of started playing and no one really said anything. And it was, mm-hmm. it was cool. It was great. We had, you know, and, and, um, and that was the beginnings of, of a, I mean, geez, they're still playing. Yeah. You know, but it's not the same lineup. But uh, yeah. I left in 2014. and mm-hmm. um, And so from 2002 until, uh, the beginning of 2014 which was about 11 and a half years uh, we played constantly mm-hmm. and Jimmy and Brandon and I lived together mm-hmm. uh, for most of that time and um, I mean we played three or four nights a week at yeah, least wow. yeah. I mean and that was every single week we played literally thousands of gigs that I've never been in a band in my life that's tighter than that band I mean yeah. it was just it was unbelievable and it was and Brandon and I had such a had such a chemistry together as far as playing goes. And I mean, still to this day, I still play some gigs with them. And mm-hmm. it still is, it just, you know, we don't play together nearly as often as we did, but it just, it's just one of those things that never goes away. Yeah. Just, I just, I can feel, I, I've, I have, there are, there there is not a soloist that I have ever played with on any instrument that I have more, of, more chemistry with than, than Brandon Hussbeth. Just as... And besides the fact that he's just a brilliant guitar player, there is just something beyond that there with with he and you I. And so, just get each other, yeah. yeah. That's cool,
0: man. I mean, yeah. you can tell that because uh, again, I don't think I've ever seen you guys outside of the jam. You mm-hmm. know, when when I was coming down when you were there, but yeah, I mean, you can you can feel that that you guys just know what each other's gonna do, and it's it's just you know mm-hmm. insanely smooth, even with jammers. Yeah. You know, you can yeah. still tell that you guys you know, know what you're going to do. And that's really nice to be able to find somebody like that. Cause you don't always get to, we always find good players, but there's, mm-hmm. there's this whole other level. Like you said, that, that you just understand the person. That's, just as a, uh,
1: you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those relationships that every, I mean, everybody, everybody should have that kind of relationship, whether it's, you know, um, whether it's a, a ro- you know, kind of mm-hmm. deep, but whether yeah. it's a romantic relationship in your life mm-hmm. or just a friend or, um, or musician, you know. I mean, and and Brandon and I were, were were best friends, and we played in that band. We just had such a great chemistry together. And it's like you know, everybody, every every person on this planet should, at some point in their life, at least once, feel like this 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 chemistry. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. And luckily, I've got you know my wife that I feel that with, and then I've got you know, and then I have Brandon. I had like this this mm-hmm. musical
0: that's really cool chemistry with which is amazing it's, you said you said something really interesting not mm-hmm. to dwell on this too long but you said something about you know a little thing about getting their drums uh, almost at a marriage or something and and i, I was thinking about that how uh, on a you know deeper level of how and this happens in bands i think where you have this one little tiny thing And it can blow up to like you know World War Three, you know, and and Mm -hmm. it's just the stupid little thing. And and I think about that in bands a little bit when uh, when you have you have some song or a a solo that you who's going to take the solo or something, Mm -hmm. you know. It's it's some are we going to play at this this uh, this venue or you know it could be little little things and I. I, I've just been thinking about that lately, how little things can be big things, you know, like, absolutely. and that just, just, not to dwell on that, but that just cracked me up that you said that kind of <laughs> even, even somebody trying to change something in their own house, you know, mm-hmm. and then the whole house, it turns in World War Three, you know, like, yeah. that just cracked me up that you said that. Yep. Um, so, so like, so in regards to like drumming, mm-hmm. let's talk about that. So what is your mentality like when you're in a band let's say or even at a jam like what is what are obviously fun and all that kind of stuff but like playing wise what is your goal when you're up there like are there specific things that you're thinking about like for example i'll give an example for myself when i think when you get to a certain level playing you you don't have to think about where your hi-hat's at. And you, I mean, you can feel where all the, you know, and mm-hmm. you don't have to think about the chords anymore. You're on this other level. And so for me now, I know what what, what goes through my head is because I, because my role in the band is so in and out, because I get to stop for the vocals, come back in, stop, come back in. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly thinking about when to play. Like, and, and that's, I, I, I've talked about on the show these kind of three different levels of figuring out how to do it Mm -hmm. then you kind of get your your flow and your style but then there's a whole nother dynamics it would be in there then there's this other level of you're really making some real good music so I know that that's Mm -hmm. something that I'm like like hyper focusing on when I'm playing even at jams you'll see me Mm -hmm. like put my whole instrument down during this guy's solo etc is it what, what are you thinking about while you're playing
1: well, I mean, it depends on the uh, it depends on the uh, on the on the situation. You know, I think for the most part, a good a good generalization is that, um, and and this is true really, whether it's for jams or or if you're in, a, in in a band that plays together a lot. You know, some people that you're very familiar playing with. Um, I think that one of the things that is really um, lacking with drummers in general is just uh, dynamics I think that I think that drummers um, I think that drummers in general just tend to kind of play too loud um, and, and that just is I mean that just is kind of a, I mean it's a broad generalization and that's certainly not always true but um, but that's one thing I notice when I go to jams and I mean you know I I have a four-year-old now so I don't go to go to as many jams as I used to just because I just don't, you know, I just don't have the time to, I mean, you know, I play a lot of them still, but, um, but I just don't go to them. So, and that's a different thing too, because if I'm playing at them, I've got my drum set I'm more comfortable on that drum set. Um, and it is a different thing when you go to somebody else's jam and sit in on their drums. But, um, but I think one thing I'm always trying to do is kind of rein in everything, uh, dynamically. I, you know, I, I personally, I, I you know, I feel like when I play to at a certain volume, m- you know, physically I start to feel uncomfortable. Mm. You know, I start to feel like okay, this mm. is more of a workout, <laughs> and it really shouldn't be. I mean, I start to really like you know, actually physically start to feel tense, and when I'm playing super loud, and that just, you know, if you have any tension in your pl- in your playing at all, mm. that's taking you out of of where you should be, which is where which is where you, when you when you're concentrating on the music. You know, mm. once you once you start to feel tense that, that takes you out of, out of where you should be. Mm-hmm. So I'm always trying to sort of keep keep the volume down. And and when people play with me at jams, I mean, you know, they may or may not notice it. I think, I think sometimes they don't notice it because they're so, uh, a lot of times, to be really frank with you, they're just, just concentrating on what they're doing. Yeah, tunnel vision, yeah. That they just don't listen to a lot of other stuff. So I try to listen to everything. I try to also, um, I try to, as much as possible, um, make sure that my volume is at such a level that I can hear a soloist mm-hmm. really well, and um, and if that means that you know I get that you know for instance if there's a harmonica player that's playing over here and they're amplified and you can hear them a lot out front, but you can't hear them up on stage, then what do you do there? Mm-hmm. I mean, what I will do is I would err on the side of caution and bring it way back down yeah. so that I can still hear them on stage. And I mean, it may be at that point, you know, you've got so much volume going out front, and that you're going to be totally too too soft, you know. But I, but I would rather have that problem than than burying someone right. musically.
0: I have noticed that with you, and that, that's one of the reasons why I liked your playing is because you you just don't blast over everybody, you mm-hmm. know. You're yeah, and I, I love that you were talking about the tension part because you can there, there's like a physiological thing that even Absolutely. happens mm-hmm. that they mentioned yeah, and so. Like I, I, I totally agree with that. And, and def, do you, I've even noticed even some of the musicians that are a little bit, you know, less on the totem pole, do you, do you find that when you bring down a lot of people do naturally kinda, kind of, kind of sort of kind of come down with you and are, are you, is the drummer a little bit in control of that in the band, in the entire band sense?
1: Um, dynamic that you would hope obviously. but sometimes but I mean you know but that's not but I mean you know to be quite honest with you a lot of times that's not the case a lot of times they're like I said they're just really listening to themselves and it's like you know and at that point in time you know I mean I get you know I get really pretty militant about that kind of stuff and I'm just like well damn it you know you guys can do whatever you are going to do but I'm going to come down and I'm going to be comfortable and I'm going to to feel like I'm making good music and that Mm. I'm being musical because I mean that is your job as a musician Um, because as you know (laughs) I don't want to be a drummer I want to be a musician and you know I want to make music and part of that is trying to be dynamic and and um, so a lot of times you know I'll I'll bring I'll bring down the volume and you know it doesn't really matter I mean and I'm not just saying it be negative or anything it just is I think a lot of people just don't don't listen as much and And here's another thing too, and this is not me being kind of condescending to these people or anything, but I make my living doing this. And by, and the reason I, the reason I bring that up is because I do it a lot. I mean, I play music a lot. I play in some form or fashion every single day. Mm -hmm. And I mean, whether, and it's usually a lot, you know, it's usually like either teaching and or playing gigs. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, and so because of that, I've, I've, I don't have that that mentality of ooh I get to play the drums today. You know what I mean? And I mean I'm excited about it and I love doing it and it's a part of my being but it's like it's also to the point where I can calm down and go okay now I've you know I'm not it's not like I haven't played drums in 2 weeks, you know what I mean? It's like I play them all the time so it's like I really, you know, I'm you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm used to playing them so that you know so I now I just want to kind of concentrate on making music and I think that sometimes you know the people who just come to jams a lot, just kind of that's kind of lost on them, and and I don't blame them for that. I really don't. I mean, but really? but on the other hand, you know, you are making music, and it needs to. You know, you need to uh, you need to listen to your volume. I just think that's an important thing. The other thing that's important is just tempo and time. Um, that should just go without saying. I mean, I practice when I practice, and I try to practice a lot. Um, I do everything with a metronome. Mm -hmm. everything and that is about the most unsexy thing that I found Mm -hmm. that you can tell another drummer Mm -hmm. I mean as a teacher I tell people that all the time play everything every single thing that you play play with a metronome Mm -hmm. unless you're playing to a record Mm -hmm. you know or or playing live you know play every single thing to a metronome and man people will give you people go, oh yeah, man, that's a great idea, that's awesome, that's, I'll just totally do that. And then they never do they it, didn't. yeah, yeah, yeah. They never yeah. do that. It's it just because it's, you know, they'll do it for a little turn on, metronome for about 10 seconds, of they're like, oh that's hard, that kinda sucks. Click, you turn it off and it doesn't go back on. But you have to fight past that, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I just think that that is just such a basic, um, just such a basic important thing to do. You mm-hmm. know, It's like an athlete, it's like, you know, how many times did Michael Jordan practice shooting free throws? or dribbling or passing the ball and I mean I know nothing about sports right? General, but, but but he did it, he spent a lot of time on that how many times did Tiger Woods putt yeah right. I mean these aren't sexy things mm-hmm. they aren't fun things but, but it's the they, only way to get there right exactly I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah you
0: said you said something interesting about kind of flipping over to the jam jammers the, the this is a frustration of one of the reasons why I want to do the show is to get this kind of question talked about a little bit is that why everybody comes to the jams and you just hit on that is that some people are coming there, me, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, and then some people are coming there, even though it's a jam, we want to make this musical experience as as musical as it can, you know, as mm-hmm. quality as it can. And, right. and I'm definitely in that. Like I've said Absolutely. this in the show, I, if I had the chance to get up with Dave Hayes, house band every time I would choose that. Of course, you know I mean? I, and that's I, one of the guys and, I was going to mention. Actually, yeah. Too, and, yeah. and, and, or, or, uh, Levy Town's house uh-huh. band, I would choose to be up there with Brandon and, and Jack or whoever, you know, mm-hmm. and like, and, or, you know, these handful of pretty good jammers. I mean, there's a handful of jammers in town that are very good, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and so and, or more than a handful, but I, I would always want to do that because I, I, like you said, you you have a purpose of why I'm here, and I'm, I'm here to hustle. I'm trying to get gigs. I want to be known in town, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. very upfront about that. It's fun, yes, but, you know, I, I want to have this be a, a the, the better I play, the better this looks. Because mm-hmm. the better you play, the better I sound, the better I play, it's really reciprocal. And so when I get up there, I want everybody to sound really good and when a guy's up there after six beers or a guy's up there after, you know, just kind of that this is fun and I went to a jam last night, this chick got up, she's like, okay, and, and I've heard Buddy's joke about this before, all right, I'm going to play this song, you know, that I learned that I wrote like four seconds ago and here we go, you know, and I'm just like, it, you know, I'm like, dude, so you wrote this literally today and you're going to perform it tonight for real, mm-hmm. you know, like, and so that's just the difference of opinion of somebody like you and I, I think we're on the same page yeah. there. And like, so, so I'm trying to, the bigger philosophical question I'm trying to do is obviously somebody like myself needs to realize that these guys have not had 400 violin lessons like I have. And, mm-hmm. and, and so I need to be flexible with them, obviously, cause this isn't a band, this is a jam, but where's the balance there of them sure. kind of, you know, them kind of maybe sucking it up and maybe learning a little bit of that etiquette that we need to know Mm -hmm. and maybe a drummer not doing this all day and uh, oh, right, cueing, okay, you know, Mm -hmm. like what, what's your opinion on that of like where the balance is and it's a hard question to answer, but you know, what should, what should everybody be doing at a jam, you know, mentality wise?
1: <clears throat> well, I'm. You know, I. I that's a. That's a, a. good question. Um. I. I think that, for the most part. Um. As far as like, you know, it, going back to what you said about about the the, the person who was trying to. I, I think I think what you're talking about the person that was trying to play the uh, the the tune that she just she just uh-huh. wrote. I mean you know the the thing with a good jammer is and i mean i i'm like you know we we laugh but i mean i have that happen all the time i get people up all the time and there are jammers that i could think of a name that i won't um that come out and and they have a new song they're going to sing or play or, or whatever and uh and they just aren't good jam songs i mean they're just they're just yeah. ridiculous i mean and 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 then that's where people get the and, and and this blues jam thing has such a negative connotation because because a lot of people um, have this idea that you know when you play a blues jam you play a you know there is one form of shuffle that you have cold shot or pride and joy mm-hmm. um, or yeah. you have just your regular you know slow blues tune that everybody knows but 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 you get people like Dave Hayes or Jaggerud or guys mm-hmm. like that. I mean, and they know and they have a, a million different songs that fall into that basic framework, but they're but they're good jam songs because they're not typical. Yeah. But they, they understand, those guys understand the parameters of where you of what you need to do and then and then th- th- there are things that you can do in the middle of those songs that differentiate them from your regular jam tune. And I think that that kind of stuff is important and having big ears and, and, and being able to to pick up on that kind of stuff. And part of that is experience. I mean, part, you mm-hmm. know, you just don't develop that overnight. I mean, they've Jack, done many
0: jams. Jack done is older many, than, yeah, yeah. older than
1: the hills.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm
1: just kidding. Yeah, Jack. I'm kidding. You're um, old.
0: Yeah. He He was already on the show. you know. Day, you know, give him crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but I but, know what you mean, because like, that's a skill, right? And that mm-hmm. that's a, a skill, like I, I always mention, like Miles Davis was a person like that, where he, he had the... I mean, he had anybody could come do it. Everybody wanted to go play with him, but when he did his fusion stuff, he's like, no, 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 I want this exact guy because he had he he had an eye and an ear for. I want this guy to play his stuff over this weird thing, mm-hmm. and he was able to analyze the the qualities of this player. It wasn't about him being good; it was about exactly what he could, what he could do for them, and the. I think a lot of people do that, where they'll come up and they'll drop an eight chord tune on everybody and i'm like dude that's really dumb you know or mm-hmm. and they don't they can't think through the song and know what kind of hard is gonna be and then they and then they're also not looking at the players on the bandstand and know it like that that happens all the time right i heard a guy yes. called layla the other day at the jam i'm like you freaking idiot what
1: are you talking about like we're, yeah that's and, a pretty involved know, song man that's you just, know as
0: an example of a song you know in Oh my gosh! Like yeah. yeah,
1: that's just you know there are just certain things that won't work, and I mean that's just um, you know and and to those kind of people again, not to be a jerk, but you know if you want to play those kind of songs, they have a word for that, and it's called a gig. Mm-hmm. Get your own. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I'm not being rude, but I know I don't mean to be rude when I say that, but I've I've heard that from a lot of people, and 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 if. And if you're just going to go, and if it was just me, and I have done this for so long, and, and I am a confident enough person where, you know, you're not going to embarrass me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm just saying that, you know, I mean, you can come up there. I don't care. If, I mean, I, you're not going to make me fall flat on my face hard enough to where I'm going to be, where I'm going to be, you know, uh, upset about it. Because right. trust me, I have done it yeah. so many thousands of times that I'm over it at this point. But what does irritate me is that when people bring out these songs and that that these that everybody else doesn't know, and then you have these, and especially if I'm hosting a jam, it's like, well, I'm hosting a jam. You're not going to probably embarrass me to the point where I won't have a gig next week, Yeah. but you are going to embarrass some of these other people to the mm-hmm. point where they're not going to come back or they're going to feel uncomfortable or they're just, just on a human being level, you're just, that's just, it's rude to do that. hmm I mean, it's just rude to do that to, to anybody, and I don't care who you are or who they are or whatever. It's just, you know, so pick a uh, better song. Because if that's making, because, okay, so let's think about
0: that. So why would they pick a song like Layla? So let's say that guy thinks he knows that song really good, so that the point is that I'm going to look good. Well, what I think they're not understanding is that so, so this is back to the role, role of the drummer, role of what you're in a band. So for me, I know that if my bass and drums are really struggling, you know, then mm-hmm. I look bad because I'm like, I'm constantly like finding them and everything, you know, well, it's much better to call a pride and joy story Monday, whatever, because I know that they're going to be rock solid, whoever I have sure. up on stage. So then I'm going to sound really good, but that's because they're going to sound really mm-hmm. good and they're going to sound good. Cause I sound good. So that, I think those people, right. They, they just aren't understanding how this works. You know, they, really, you know very
1: much so. And I agree yeah. with that completely. I think that they, they, they really do themselves a, a, a huge disservice, and they don't realize it, yeah. but when they when they go and they pick a song like Layla, mm-hmm. um, you know a really seasoned um, experienced musician would never do that. Mm-hmm. And for that song to work, you need some really seasoned experienced musicians and so, you're just already putting yourself at a disadvantage because the, a really good a really good musician would never come and do that. And the only musicians that really would call off a song like Layla, just to be brutally honest, are ones that don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, you know? and so or and they know
0: exactly who's on stage and they have played that song. You know, if it's a different hard song that they they know true. Paul Greenlease and they know. I mean, they know who they have on That's stage. That's very really true. Yes, and then you can do that. But but now you're actually. Thinking yeah. it through, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. well, and that's a good point. I mean, yeah. if you
1: have people like like you said, Paul, and that's yeah. a great example. Another guy who just you know has done so many of these and would and knows a million different songs. If you were going to have Paul up there, uh, you know, and uh, a guitar player that could play that kind of stuff, um, and a drummer that could play that kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. if you're a singer, and then you and you know that. Well, then then that's that's a different story. Oh yeah. But if you don't know who's actually up there. Mm-hmm. You know I mean that just is you're just setting everybody up for just for for failure and it just is that's just not right. going to work out for you
0: so 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 again my question I guess was like we have these people that are on kind of one kind of one level of they're they're just trying to still figure this out and all of us know this that you have to come to a jam and suck for like ten times you know and you know and so we all know that yeah, we all, even as teachers, you know, we know you got to, you know, got to start somewhere. So like, mm-hmm. so we, we need to be flexible to that, that these people, even if, cause there's the ones that really want it and they just suck right now, but they would eventually be really good. Mm-hmm. And they're the, 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 what what they call it? The just, you know, students that are in it, you know, <laughs> even 40 year old students, you know, that are, and then you have the other guys and then you have, these other people that are more seasoned veterans, the Steve Hawkins, the, you know, Dave Hayes and these mm-hmm. guys, you know, sure. uh, J- James, uh, Jim Cavanaugh, you know I mean? These guys that are professionals basically. Mm-hmm. So, so I've been trying to think what is the solution there? So w- one example that I've heard is you just make sure everybody knows what this jam is, like the foundation. They, you go down there and you like, you know, we're, we're going to probably be nice but kick you off the stage if you're not going to cut it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, Blue Room, you go down there and you need to kind of have your crap together. Mm-hmm. But you go to this other jam and they make it, you know, more that we're going to be nicer to you. We're going to let you call your own tunes. We're going to, you know, mm-hmm. kind of cater. Um, one, is that the solution where we just have... A, we, you go market on them, market style, where we just have different jams and you go to where it fits you. Mm-hmm. Or does every does every house band, need, and this is the real question, is does every house band need to be policing that crap like crazy, you know? And that's where I would make a huge argument, which I've tried to do on the show, how much, how much is the house band uh, in control of this or how much responsibility do they have? Not the, not the medium, mm-hmm. medium bad jammers, but the guys that really, you know, that really sh- probably should not be up on the stage right now what do you do about that as the house band? You know. Well,
1: you know, um, you know that's that's a very that is a that's a touchy. It's kind of a subjective subject. <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. That is a really great question because I mean, you know, there are certain ones around town where, um, to where, yeah, you're right. I mean, they will um, they will pull you after one song. If you're not good enough, they will... And if you're not cutting it, they will pull you after one song. Um, there are others around town that will let you go for for a long a long time. And I mean, you know... Um, but but here's the thing. In the last year or so, I've started booking a lot of bands, too. That's kind of my, my other deal. So I'm coming at it from a, that perspective a lot of times. And, and from a club owner's perspective. Mm-hmm. and, um, And... You know, um, and and you just you know, the thing about jams is just they're just like any other gig, any other band performance is you are there to keep people there and to sell, to sell booze. Mm-hmm. I mean that just you know whether we like it or not, mm-hmm. that's what you're there to do. Now if you're playing the Kaufman Center. That's not necessarily your primary concern, but if you're playing knuckleheads, you're there to sell booze. If you're playing Freddy T's, you're there to sell booze. Yeah. If you're playing BB's, you're there to sell mm-hmm. barbecue and booze. Exactly. And that's just what they're paying you to do. So you have to kind of balance that as you're being, that is your primary focus, whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Um, and you've got to kind of, you've, you've got to kind of, kind of de- balance all that stuff because you have that. That's your main thing where you're selling, you're selling a product, their product. Mm-hmm whether it's food or booze or both. Um, but you also don't want to, and so you don't want to get a bunch of really horrible musicians up there or, or people that just aren't ready and then people will will leave. And 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 sometimes it's so hard to judge that because some venues, people will just take off. If they hear one or two really bad songs, bad jammers, they're, they're getting their check and they're out the door. But then there are some that, um, that have kind of a more built-in crowd, I would say, and that they don't mind that as bad. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it just is really just a very, very fine line. I will say, too, that as far as coming from someone who runs a lot of jams at this mm-hmm. point, um, it, it also matters what kind of person you are. If, if you don't know what you're... If you, do, if you don't have a lot of experience playing at a jam or playing music in general, if you are not a... A nice person and you're not open to a little bit of constructive criticism Mm -hmm. then I mean I gotta be honest I have very little patience Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean because because I had to have a lot of patience when I was coming Mm out because I got told all the time I mean drummers and and, I mean you know I, I will say this and I know it sounds sounds like I'm 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 whining here or something but drummers really do take a, a brunt, the brunt of a lot of criticism about how bad a band is going sometimes mm. it's deservedly so mm-hmm. and sometimes it's not
0: that's interesting
1: yeah and it, and it just is it's true um so so if i have if there are jammers coming to a jam and and they're there and they are just you know they're just not they're they're just not being pleasant to be around then you know i have very little faith in you i have very little patience for you yeah i will say that um they that really a bigger problem than that are the people who who have done this a long time mm-hmm. who think that they are des- they <laughs> are owed something that to me is really infuriating so
0: so on the criticism argument because that's a excellent point and i've thought about that a lot is is again with these guys that the and and the the phrase that I've said on the show a ton of times, I didn't really coin this, but is the cluelessness. And and it's the cluelessness of not knowing, well, what song are we playing? This song, well, what key? Well, I don't know. You know, it's that kind of cluelessness yes. about your volume, cluelessness about how good I am, cluelessness about calling tunes I don't even know the, the, the uh, key of, etc. And so you, you talked about two different people the cluelessness of you're a beginner and you don't know what this jam is because you don't really care what the thing really is. And then you have the whole other problem of the veteran who can't take the criticism either that is really clueless. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and, that, a, and they think that they are owed something, which yes, really yeah. is beyond infuriating mm-hmm. to me is when you think that you are owed something. You are owed nothing. And if you don't like the way that I'm running this particular jam, then again, go get your own damn gig right. because this is mine and I don't have to, you know. And spe- and a lot of times it's not just again, like I said, you can be a jerk to me and I'm fine. I have super thick skin at this point. Um, I just do, but when you are when you are that way to to a younger musician, someone that's just starting out because I, I was that person. Mm-hmm. I was that person, man. When I was starting out, I had a lot of you talking older, about North Texas and stuff. No, I'm right? talking about yeah. sometimes a lot right. of times in Kansas City too. A lot of times, when I mean, I'm, just
0: people chirping at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely.
1: And and um, there are people now who you know, there are people now who were very very pleasant to me, and that's it's it's nice. But I remember 15 years ago when they weren't, and I remember that you know. and Now it's because I've kind of. I I've developed a little bit of, of of a name for myself, you know, and I mean I run jams and I think that mm-hmm. I've, I've 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 proven myself to be a fairly decent musician and mm-hmm. you know, a fairly nice guy, you know. I mean mm-hmm. so so those people generally are are not like that anymore, but I do remember when they they weren't like that and it was like, you know, I got I bore the brunt of that. And now when I see that, when I see people doing that, it just really it really aggravates me
0: and that's a good point because i have noticed myself do my, and and i try to separate you're a person and then you're a musician mm-hmm. you know and that's a big, big thing time. and i, I definitely I have too. to admit that i do that that, that i if somebody is a especially with the cluelessness thing and that, that's kind of one of my things if you yep. if you can't even see what this is right now mm-hmm. then i have a problem of pretending that that's them as a person, sort of. I'm not oh, explaining that well, but like, so so basically that means that if you're, you know, you you could pretend that if you're good, I talk to you, and if you're not, then you're dead to me, you know, and that's, it's not exactly like that, but I, I've noticed myself do that in the past, and and I, I've tried to stop doing that a little better, because I even doing the handyman stuff I was talking to you about, I'm like, dude, this guy like knows all this crap about handyman, but he's just, you know, started playing a year ago on guitar. Absolutely. I'm like, this guy's really smart. He just doesn't, he just hasn't had 400 violin lessons, you know? Mm-hmm. So like calm down, you know, he's a nice guy. He's and and you said something else interesting about the the idea of, of saying the criticism of the person. You and I are, are deep into this as teachers, I'm sure, is that, so that house band, my question is: What do we do about those jammers? Is that, that's the mm-hmm. question I'm getting to? Is that do we set the precedent as the open jam and like if you cut it here, here's the bar? If you come up to it, then that's great, and we'll let you play. If not, you know I don't hate you. You're not. it's fine. You know, right. I, come back if you want, but and listen. But we need people up here, or do we have a somebody like a? Paul Greenlee, Dave Hayes in town, the respected, over fifty, really good player. Do they have an obligation to take that twenty-eight year old aside and go like, hey man, I'm really you know I'm really glad you came out here. It was really fun. It was really nice to play with you. Um, You know, I was noticing we were, you know, asking you about shuffle. You know, asking you to play the shuffle and you said you didn't know a shuffle. I know you haven't been here that much, but we play like 40% shuffles at this jam. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe if you wanted to go home and, you know, work on shuffles a little bit, you know, and come back, we'd love to have, is there, is there a way that you, is there a way that you can take that guy aside and help him at least, at least say the things you need to say to him? Is that out of bounds? Is that inbounds? You know, is it effective? Is it, you know...
1: Um, I, I don't think that's out of bounds at all and mm. I mean you know you bring up Paul's name and and I've known Paul for so many years Paul mm. I probably play with Paul Greenleaf more than any other musician yeah. in town I mean any other musician I play with just because he and I play together in five different things mm. I mean you know, so you know so I know Paul really well and I know his all of his um, what his personality is like and he is very much like that man he is he's really good about that and he's and that's why people like him so much is that he just is He's a nice person, and he will, and he tells you, you know, and he will tell you things like, you know, uh, you know, these are the things, you know, some things you ought to work on, and he's really uh, very diplomatic about it, and people gen- generally uh, really take to to that, and really, you know, uh, are not a, are not not offended by that or anything, and I think the ones that are offended by that, you know. I mean, you can feel that when you tell somebody and they start really like you know oh but 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 and it's like uh-huh. okay, okay yeah. I'll, just, I'll back off because because again like you were saying uh, you know you don't want to judge somebody's whole life by the way they play music I and mean, you know mm-hmm. so so I'm just gonna go okay well you know I'm sure you're a, a wonderful guy and I'm not saying this in a facetious way at all I'm sure you're just a, a great person but I don't think you're, you're ready to hear any little criticisms I have and and you know and i mean and they're not and i don't even like the word criticisms because that right. just has such a negative connotations but you know, connotation but not advice advice yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, advice yeah. you know yeah. and i mean um and, and I, I mean i was the same way man people would tell me that kind of stuff when i was younger and i it took you know it's it's a skill it's a muscle you have to develop being able to like okay i'm listening to it you know i'm gonna i'm gonna hear what you tell me and as you get older you also hopefully You get to the point where you can take criticism, but you also start to know what is good criticism and what's Mm -hmm. bad. And what's like, you know. And it took me a while to stand back and go, okay, this guy's telling me this stuff, but if I step back and look at him objectively. He doesn't know what he's talking about. This guy does know what he's talking about. And I'm a better player than he is. You know what I mean? And I mean, that's not being a a jerk. It's hard to
0: tell. Yeah, it's a hard line, but sometimes you can (laughs) notice it. And you mentioned, too, the guys that have been in it a while, Mm -hmm. and sometimes they can be worse than the new guys in that sense. Cause they, mm-hmm. they already have this, I'm good enough, I'm there. And then you have a, and Paul is just a random example of a known guy in town, good player, respected, et cetera, you know, and, and so like I, and so what you were just talking about is tone, right? When you're coming to them, you're, you're taught, you're, it's not just what you're saying, it's the tone you're Absolutely. saying it. And, and yeah. that's, that to me is like the art of teaching. To uh-huh. me, is is how you say it because you can say things in a million ways, um, and it maybe maybe moving over to the teaching side with that idea. I've I've been really obsessed lately about it's the the diagnosing of something when you see some when you see them doing something. I have and and maybe this is ego talking, but I can do that in about six seconds, and and it's and because people like you and I can. Are so deep in, in the understanding of it, you see like six things in six seconds, you know? And, and so you're going, da, 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 okay, Is, are, am I gonna talk rhythm? Am I gonna talk tone? Am I gonna do dynamic? You know, which, uh, which measure? You know, I mean, you're, da, 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 you know, and mm-hmm. so to me, it's not the diagnosing of the problem for me that, that's the hard part. It's like, the, how do I come at it? When do I come at it? And, and if I need to come at you know, which ones do I need to hit today? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I have, I think I'm not alone saying that that's hard. I mean, that's the art of it, you Absolutely. know, and, and I'm, as a young, as a still pretty young teacher, I'm struggling with that for sure. And, mm-hmm. uh, and with, and then, so the criticism idea, what, what we're, the, the main problem is the motivation, right? It's, mm-hmm. and we've talked about that on the show a ton is that, so the whole point of, what's the point of the criticism, either to get your anger out is bad, <laughs> bad reason, right. but okay. the other reason is because you're hoping that there's something that needs to happen later with them. They're gonna hear this Aristotle quote from me and the, oh, okay Rob, okay Mr. Foster, I'm gonna do it now, you know, and mm-hmm. so like that's where I'm struggling with right now. Have you, what, like, what have you found with motivation with your students, because you, one other quick thing is that like you talk about the, the guys that you have, you have a might or should. You, you, have, or you have a might or it won't. And, and you, you can say the thing and this guy might do something about it. Mm-hmm. And then you have the guy that you just mentioned a couple minutes ago where they, they're starting the but, 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 but stuff. And so my question is, is that guy kind of done right now? Is yeah. that worthless to, to even go into this conversation with him? So therefore, just forget it and uh, give up. You know, I mean, should you give up with him or not give it? This is a this is a huge political mm-hmm. argument I'm making right now. Right. Is those people that are done? You know, what what's your yeah. you know?
1: Well, my, my thing with that is, and that's a good point. The might or the won't thing is is that's yeah. a, a good way to put that because you're you're yeah you're absolutely right. I mean, someone who comes who if I try to give them some sort of criticism or it, it's and and if they are already you know putting up their you know, excuse wall, yeah, right, yeah, 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 they're putting up their excuse wall, yeah. good. Um, then then, yeah I, I mean I, I'm just I don't have the time or the I don't have the time or the desire to work work, uh, to break down that wall that's thats not my job and at that point I just stopped caring number of breaths in life it just, maybe I don't a have, thing yeah, you, know, exactly, you know like just, how much time and, and you know. that's just me maybe it's not good but it's just I just don't have the you know I just don't have enough energy and when that happens I just shut down immediately I'm like okay that's fine but the the might thing i mean you know um uh, uh yeah i mean that's and that's and you know usually those people are just a lot more open and you can talk to them and you know and it's just it's fine and it's you know and those are just generally more pleasant people to be around in, in, you know anyway you know they'd be more pleasant to people to, they'd be more pleasant in any aspect of life and the other thing too is i get sort of a, a different view on that because i teach you know a lot of, of lessons, and I've taught a, a whole lot of lessons from from everybody from a, from four years old up to. I mean, I think I have my oldest student I've ever had right now is in his seventies, and I wow. mean so so you know, um, and so you know if they're just doing it, if it's just a nine year old who is doing it for fun and for doing it for school too, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you, you have to approach them in a much different way than you are someone who comes out to a jam. If someone comes out to a jam, that's really a pretty big step. I mean, that is a pretty big step from being someone that's just playing drums in your basement to actually going to a bar in front of a whole group of strangers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and, and it took me a while to figure that out because it wasn't for me because I started at such a young age and was so stupid that I was like, I didn't care. I, I didn't care. I never ever ever was afraid of playing in front of people not ever yeah. it was like I'm just so dumb that right. I, I don't care if people don't don't like what I was doing I just wanted to get up there and bang away on the drums and play welcome to the jungle yeah, right. <clears throat> I mean that's and that's all I cared about doing so and then later on it started to get more serious but but it was not like I had I made a decision to go okay well on such-and-such such a day, I'm going to go to my very first jam session right, I mean, yeah, that's a was, big deal I mean right. and if you're an adult that's even bigger because you know when you're an adult adults as you get older, as you know, I mean as everybody knows, every adult knows, you just it gets more and more uncomfortable to be told that you're not doing something mm-hmm. correct. Yeah. I mean, and so it's like, you know,
0: cuz you've been wasting 20 years, right? I mean, this is a whole exactly. even even you're you're dropping people that, you know, yeah, I mean, they they've been Christian for 30 years and then you're like, "Hey, you're you're actually been wasting 30 years of your life." I, I mean, how are they going to take that not well? Right. You exactly. know, what I mean, and it's it's, it's it's more extreme, but uh, right. it's that yeah.
1: No, and that, that's and so you know, um, so you know, so so people who are coming out to jams just because of that fact, just because of the fact that they've they've actually taken that step into come and are coming out are generally a little more open, at least in the in the initial stages, you know. But it's the people who've been playing a while that you know. And I would never presume to offer my opinion to someone if it was not uh, if it was not solicited. When they come up mm. to me, you know, and I mean, I guess I shouldn't say I wouldn't. I mean, if it was a really, if it was a young player, I mean, if it was a young player and they're really, you know, you can tell that they haven't been doing it for very long. Then I might yeah. just very g- gently mm-hmm. make a little bit of a suggestion, but, but then a lot of times I'll have people who've been playing a while who'll come up to me and say, okay, now what, what are we doing here? And then, and then I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. And. And a lot of people are not prepared for that. You know, mm-hmm. they, 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 they think they want you to be honest, but what they really want, yeah. they want you to tell mm-hmm. them how good they
0: are. All right, yeah, yeah. And they don't really want that. You said something too that was funny is that you said that is a big step, right? Going from the practice room into this. And that's that's my issue is that some of these people don't, look, don't take that as a big step. <clears throat> they think right. it's the same. Right, they they think well, just on stage. Well, of course, you know, and that's the that's the difference. That's that's where I'm hunkered down in my classical classical bunker of understanding. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. You have three months of practice time. Then you make this step. Okay, now concert. You know, it's like and and you sit there for the three months until you're ready, and don't start today. Okay, the song I learned. No, you got to practice that thing for like months. Yeah, or weeks for sure and you right. get it and you can play it absolutely perfectly then you go out there and because you're on stage you play it about 80 percent because of the, the you know because exactly. of the uh, uh, stage fright and whatever you yeah, know 80 like, percent would be great I know yeah, yeah and so but uh so so another example what what has been going on in your studio either something that's been frustrating you or something that's going really great recently or i mean you can answer just tell me about your studio a little bit
1: um well i um um as far as teaching goes i mean i always i'm i love teaching Mm -hmm. and i know that there are a lot of, of of musicians out there who just have told me over the years that they just they don't like it and they kind of like view it as sort of a necessary evil to being a professional working musician and um man, I have just never taken it like that yeah. I, I I love teaching I first of all, I love kids. I do you know I mean, I just love getting to hang out with like little you know with with kids I, that's fun to me, you know I mean they're nice you know it's 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 fun to be around funny little kids you know I mean I, I like that. I like working with adults too you know they just they're different things um and, and and I like playing drums i mean you're you're around playing drums, you know I mean, I like seeing people being able to learn stuff, and I like people working hard to to be able to, to play things. I mean, when I was a kid, I had such a, I mean, drums were so important to me that I love seeing another 12 or 13 year old kid uh, get the same enjoyment that I did out of it. I mean, that's just, that's that's so, you know, that that's really cool to me, and I, I love doing that. And, and a more pragmatic reason for teaching um, is that you hammer the basics on these people mm-hmm. all day every single day so your basics get really mm-hmm. really good as a teacher you're and talking so about good. yeah mm-hmm. yes. and, your posture and you, is like immaculate oh, man, and like, your yeah. posture gets good you know as yeah. for a drummer you know your, your grip is good mm-hmm. your uh, i was talking about playing with a metronome earlier mm-hmm. you know try playing with a metronome try playing with an eight-year-old who's playing with a metronome and then you're having to 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 play along with the metronome and trying to kind of kind of you know to get him to kind of move over to where mm. the metronome is at I mean geez talk about cross training oh yeah I mean it's unbelievable you know and then getting then getting good at playing just a very simple beat but getting really good at it because you're trying to teach this this beginning student how to do that I mean that's, well
0: well that's just like a jam I mean raining people mm-hmm. into the beat <laughs> it
1: is it is you know it's it's just yeah exactly come on guys you're no good. no prayer. Exactly. Like. <laughs> so it's uh, it's it's just you know I know I, I love teaching and and like I said mm-hmm. I just I I love drums and I love everything I love playing drums I like you know I like I like equipment mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I mean I think that's one of the reasons I like playing drums more than, than any other instrument is because first of all it was immediate for me and second of all there's just a lot of stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean I mean there's like a lot of gear that goes along with it and I would just always have loved that. You know, mm-hmm. since I was a little kid playing with GI Joe's, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I always loved the GI Joe's that had the most stuff that you had to play with. I mean, it was like, you know, so I mean, I, I, I like that. So I liked, you're a hoarder, basically. Kind you know? of, <laughs> yeah. And talk to my wife. I mean, you you know, you'll see my drum room, and it's That's yeah, I, I save every piece of equipment that I have got. That's funny. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, and I like I said, I I love teaching. I do. I I I never viewed it as a necessary evil at all
0: what would what would be a, a piece of advice that you would have for like a younger teacher like maybe you know a 30 year old teacher that that is just starting that or, or just maybe even a, a a thing that you learned from a mistake you know or something mm-hmm. that,
1: that like don't, uh, don't be such a hard ass mm-hmm. period mm-hmm. that that was my biggest thing when I first started teaching I wanted everybody to because when I first started teaching I was uh, it was it was two thousand. Three or four when I started teaching at Explorers, which was you know and still is, you know a good great teaching job and, I mean you were surrounded by, some of the greatest teachers around. You got Gogo, mm-hmm. Kent Burnham, Doug Allwater. Those are the ones that are there now, and there've been a few other ones. Ken, uh, Ken I know United. Doug and
0: Gogo. Those those two guys are out of control. They're just
1: they're unbelievable, and Doug especially is just one of yeah. the most. Uh,
0: talk to that guy about some Brazilian anything, oh, you know. talk to him I mean, about anything, Latin. man. Yeah. He just
1: is, and, and not just drums. I mean, just, he just is such an interesting, um, intelligent person about any number of different um, things. And, um, but when I first started teaching there, you know, I mean, it was a very, you know, I was at the point where, you know, I, I knew, I, I knew a lot about drums and I knew that, you know, I'd been, I'd been through school and I knew how to, how I thought... I needed to get good. Well, okay, fair enough. I'd been playing for 13 or 14 years at that point, so it's like my, and I'd been playing seriously for a long time. So you know, the stuff that I was doing was stuff that you would practice and work on as someone who's been playing drums seriously for 13 or 14 years. That is obviously not going to work for someone who's been right. playing drums for three months. Right. And so you know, calm down. You know, don't, mm-hmm. don't, you know, they they don't have to they don't have to be the world's best sight reader. You know? It's not that serious. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. nothing wrong with playing, with getting really good at playing Back in Black because everybody was at that point. I mean, you know, the first song I played was, I mean, I, I think it was Welcome to the Jungle. I keep coming back to that record, but I'm yeah, telling you. Yeah. Um, but so, I mean, you know, I mean, everybody starts out somewhere and I really just had this thing where I would, you know, get a, you know, such a hard ass on people. I had to, you know, they have to play the right, you know, they have to be able to read have to be old to know all these different styles and drill stuff, drill, you know? drill
0: drill 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 all this stuff yeah, yeah that's I've, I've had a huge problem with that lately and definitely a huge mental trying to understand that idea of how hard to it because that's that's the other kind of question is when do you say it if you say it how hard do you go out in the tone you know it, it like you know how hard do you push what's the expectations you know what's it on myself on myself to them mm-hmm. and and i've definitely tried to work on that recently, and I know I'm not, you know, I'm still, I'm still thinking that out in my head, even as I've been teaching since 06, you know, mm. off and on since 06, and I'm still, like, I'm still strict because that's a really hard question, I mean, it's the that's biggest really, question, I'm still really... s- struggling with it, and, yeah. well, that's cool, man, um, so maybe, uh, maybe last, uh, kind of wrapping up here, last big thing, uh, can you think of a crazy, crazy gig, or a crazy student you had, or a crazy lesson, or... Any any or or great gig or you know just a story
1: um, we playing, <laughs> you know not right offhand. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's okay. I mean, I, I've I've uh, I mean I've done a lot of really you know really fun gigs. Like in the last several years, you know I played with Trampled Underfoot and, mm. and Danielle's band and uh, for for a while and and those were some really fun gigs. You know I mean they were they were it was it was fun going overseas for the first time. You know doing that's stuff pretty. like that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, yeah, it's, wow. um, uh, which I cannot wait to go do that again. Um, but it was, you know, it was really fun. And I had a, you know, I had a great time going and, and doing that kind of thing. Um, How many was, shows
0: did you get to play overseas with her then? Oh, tons. Yeah. We played, yeah. Like I mean, over 10 or like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. Totally.
1: We, we played, uh, with, with Trammled Underfoot, I went to, we went to Norway twice in that last year so we played Norway we went to Canada with uh with George Thorogood which was really fun that's another yeah, well. fun gig those guys are great people the guys in the George Thorogood's band um so and still really good friends of mine so um uh, so we, we did that we went to uh Norway we, uh, I, I played at um in Svalbard which is like if you scroll if you if you're looking on your phone and you scroll t- on your maps of the world to the very top at the very very top there's a little tiny island at the very top you can't even scroll any further north that's where svalbard is that we play there i mean it was it was uh i mean it was like an it was like a 45 minute helicopter ride to the north pole or something I mean, oh it was wow ridiculous. crazy yeah it's yeah. way up there yeah. yeah it was it was insane and that was very very it was awesome uh, i mean, saw parts of the world that i just. You, don't, you can't even believe that you're on the same planet. They're so amazing. Lofoten Islands in Norway. Svalbard, wow. but, uh, but then, so I played there a couple of times. And then with Danielle's band, we played in Norway twice. Um, and then we went to Europe. Played Europe a couple of different mm-hmm. times. I went to, uh, I did the Blues Cruise three different times, you know, mm-hmm. so that was really fun. It was Wow. So, yeah.
0: That's cool. I mean, man. that stuff,
1: you know, it's, it's really cool. And, um, you know, I... I would love to do all that again. I mean, I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll have the opportunity to. I, you know, at that point in time, I, you know, the the only thing I that kept me from keeping on doing that that gig really is that you know I just had, I had a three year old at the time, mm-hmm. and it was just.
0: It's a couple month commitment, right, or a month. Oh, commitment it will, well, or I was something. with yeah, them from yeah. yeah,
1: I was with them from the beginning of 2014, and then I left Danielle's band in the middle of 2017. So right. I was with them for several years in the yeah. it's... Uh, it just got harder and harder and harder to, to leave for three weeks at a time, right. and you know, I mean, it would just, it would just literally it would just twist, tear my, I, I could like literally, if I think about it now, I can get chest pains thinking about it. Just the fact that you know, like, I would put my suitcase down by the door the night before I was getting ready to leave and my son would like hide the suitcase and it was like Wow.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's rough. Can't, can't, yeah, can't yeah, emotionally handle that. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I mean, you know, and and I was I just came to that and that decision and I'm totally happy with that decision and and like I said, I mean, I I still get I still get calls and, uh, all the time for people that want me to go out on the road with them and, mm-hmm. and stuff and that's and that would be really great and um and occasionally I do that if I'm going out for a week or so that's That's perfect scenario. Yeah. yeah, Right. But I just, I cannot, I just can't devote my, my full attention to that, you know? And I mean, and I, when I left Daniel's band, I said, well, you know, maybe when he's a little bit older, but I just don't see myself doing that on that extensive of a basis until he's like in college. Yeah. Because I just don't want to, you know, I mean.
0: Well, people don't understand that about like truckers and road musicians and they, they, they just don't understand that these guys are, these guys are gone for months. And, and, you know, what, what's, what's your house looking like? You know, I mean, you got to leave your house. I mean, let's say you're single. I mean, your house is sitting there for a month, you know I mean? Like, like just little things like that. People mm-hmm. don't understand that. What's your marriage what, looking like? like? What's your marriage looking you like? Know, it's I a mean, big one. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. stuff's
1: important. I mean, I, you know, I mean, and not to be, not to be negative or anything, but, I, but I've heard a lot of musician, a lot of road musicians say things like, you know, all oh, my family's the most important thing to me. Well, I don't
0: know about that. Yeah, I know it's it's, it's a just, tough argument to because make. Because you
1: know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, I don't I don't buy it. Yeah, because, um, uh, yeah,
0: and and that's the same thing with somebody going off on like uh, a fishing boat trip, like those guys doing finding crab in Alaska or something, right? They're out wow. on their job for month and a half, and mm-hmm. you know it's 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 a hard argument to look inside their head and to know you know well yeah. do, are you doing this for your family, you or know for you well for or yeah and maybe. You know, maybe it's it's, but it's hard to argue either way. Right. You know, how, how do you know his intentions? But
1: sure, it you is. Know, you're, you're, you're right about that. I mean, but I also, uh, you know, I mean, I I moved, I got off the road and came back home, and I, I work now more than I've ever worked. In my entire life, yeah. as a musician. I mean, I, I I gig three or four nights a week now. I teach. I think I have thirty five kids that yeah, I teach wow, now. That's great, I've got. Man. Um, I, I'm doing the booking thing, you know, I mean, I'm I'm incredibly busy, and, and that's and that's fine. I mean, I, and, and, and I'm home every single night, mm. you know, so I get to see my son every that's every great. single night. It's just as, I mean, that to me is what's important, and, and, and if you're, and if it's, you know, and if you and your wife can, can deal with that, and, you know, if you can, and if you're okay with not seeing your kids, and I'm not judging or anything, I'm really not, but if you're okay with seeing, with not seeing your kids every single night, and that's, that's fine and that's what you should do yeah. I got to the point where I was just
0: the, the just quick one doing. that we might finish up with well that's another thing with girlfriends and playing music is also the just being out every night too is mm-hmm. uh, gigging four nights a week you know right. where we don't we basically don't get any Fridays and Saturdays to go on a date right, because we're yeah. gigging the, you know and that's that even even though you're still in town you're mm-hmm. gone and I think that's another thing that we, don't, we haven't talked about on the show yet is the idea of when you have like like this happened with an ex girlfriend of mine, where I started to get into my flow of I really don't have anything till four, and then at four I start all these lessons, and then maybe I need to because of my because just networking, like you said, mm-hmm. I need to kind of probably go out to this jam tonight. So my schedule is four to right. four to ten, four to twelve, you know, and and hers was maybe like I'll just give an example, like a you know a doctor or a teacher where theirs is eight to four, and so now when You know, and that sometimes that can work really good for kids because then you're there when they, Mm -hmm. when the wife isn't, and then she's there when you are. You know, that can work good, but that that can you you got to talk that out, right? I mean, you got or you got to figure it out, marriage wise. To to how are we going to find some time here, Saturday afternoon or Mm -hmm. whatever time? You know, that's a thing that I I know that happens a lot with musicians where that's a a problem in the relationship with the guy being out there you know, not even around all these chicks all day, you know, but, but also just out and they're not with your wife, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I mean, I've been lucky and fortunate enough to where, you know, my wife and I have, you know, I've been, you know, that's all she's ever known me to do is to be a musician. And so, you know, we've, and we, you know, we have, we work together well enough and we have enough respect for each other and really have a desire to make everything work to the point that we, you know, we have built our lives around that, uh, around that. I mean she she knows that yeah, I mean you like you said, I mean Friday and Saturday nights probably stuff's probably not gonna happen unless yeah. you unless I take it off months in advance. Yeah, you know, but that's what Monday nights are for Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so
0: so cool, man. Well, yeah. uh, tell tell everybody um, I know you've been playing with uh with Jack at Hideout once in a while. you know I'll see you yep. guys do it. Tell, give him give some plugs about what you're doing. Well,
1: I, I play, uh, yeah, I do that, that Monday night jam uh, with uh, Blue 88 occasionally, and then I do it with Jack uh, Garud occasionally. I do uh, uh, Knuckleheads, the Knuckleheads jam on Sundays fairly frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, when Levy Town's out of, out of town, Paul uh, Greenlease and myself and Sean McDonald run that jam. And so I run that. Quite a, quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, probably about half the time at least. Yeah. Um, and then I play with a country guy named Philip Michaels. He's a singer, um, and I, Paul and I play with him. Um, and then I, uh, I play with Patrick Recob and the Perpetual Louel All Stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm playing with him tonight, as a matter of fact. Um, uh, and then you know, just any number of different, um, uh, different uh, uh, sub gigs. You know, I mean, I get called to. to to sub uh, stuff all the time all the time and then I teach like I said 30 plus lessons every week and so that's great man yeah that's great if anyone wants lessons give me a call He'll yeah yeah on Facebook or anything else yeah we'll put your name up here for sure yeah, on the that. thing
0: um Jan Faircott. Rob thanks, thanks so much th- thanks for having it's thanks for coming man uh, we'll be back next time get out of here See ya.